video. So excited to be all together next week. And as I was just sharing with Tyler and Bria here in their wonderful little home, um, it, it, I would much rather be here in person with you, um, but we're gonna do it this way tonight. And so hopefully that the Spirit of God will have something to, to, to put on your heart tonight. We've been going through our annual vision series and uh, we're going through our core values one by one. And tonight we're gonna look at this one and it says this, the scriptures are authoritative and it tells us the truth that brings freedom. Our verse we're gonna start with, it's short um, and you'll see it up on the screen here. And it's from John 8, 31. It says this, Jesus speaking, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Have you ever been lost? And I'm not talking about lost in your soul or up in your mind, but physically lost, or at least really confused about your location and how you're gonna get back. Well, last week I went out into the ocean tuna fishing with a friend out of his dory. And if you've ever been to Pacific City, you may have seen the dories launching from the beach and they go straight out into the breakers. And on a clear day, you can watch them negotiate that last wave and go between the Cape and, and Haystack Rock. And then eventually they'll disappear out on the horizon, but you can see them for a long ways. But a clear day was not the case last week. We launched in the dark and the fog was extremely dense. Uh, you couldn't even see the last breaker. And the only tools we had to find our way were an electronic chart navigation and a compass and a radio, but that doesn't really give you your direction. We went offshore for about 35 miles and the fog lifted a bit, but the cloud from the fires kept the visibility really, really low. And we could never see for more than a few hundred yards in any direction. And my friend and I, as we normally do, we traded off the helm on different occasions. For you unnautical people, that's the steering of the boat. Uh, and it's amazing how quickly you can get off course uh, if you're not paying attention to the navigation screen or the compass. There aren't any reference points. It's just a lot of ocean, especially when you can't see land. And there were a few times that I was pretty certain we were going west, but then I glanced down at the compass and the screen and it tells me that I'm going east. And at one point during the day, I asked this question to my friend and I already knew the answer, but I said this, what if for some reason we lost the electronic navigation system, it just failed? And his answer was simple and this was it, we still have a compass and the compass always knows what true north is. We know the land is east, we so, and so we go that way. And so friends, tonight I just want you to know that the Bible always points us to true north. With all that's going on around us in this season, all the opinions, uh, all the confusion, all the he said, she says, uh, most of us are desperately looking for something that's reliable a compass, if you will, to point us to what is true. And what you and I have come to believe is true is greatly shaped by our experience. 
the environment you grew up in, what your family looked like, the friends you chose to take advice from, the mentors that you listened to, the books you wrote, the cultural moment you might have find yourself in from time to time, and yes, the news feeds that you choose to listen to. And as good as those experiences are, if they're the only thing, and I emphasize if they're the only thing we rely on for our navigation, we may actually miss out on what is really true. Opinions change, culture changes, we have new experiences, and that trusted friend may even betray you at some point. But God's truth never changes. In the pages of the Bible, we find the answers to all our questions about meaning and purpose and truth. Listen, what the Bible requires of us is that we put our own experience below what the Bible says to be true. I want to know what God says is true. My sweet wife, Kathy, will, off, uh, will often tell me when we're facing a struggle or she has a question uh, or we're facing a tough decision. She'll say, I don't want to know your opinion. I want you to tell me what the truth is. Well, what in the world she mean by that, that she doesn't care about my opinions? Well, of course not. But she would rather that I be a man of God that is searching the scriptures and spending time in God's presence so that when I do have a response, it's way more likely to be in line with what God says is true than my own opinion. Or better yet, just read it straight from the scriptures. Question is, are you willing to take God at his word? Are you, are you going to let him shape your thinking, transform you by what he says is true? Or you, will you depend on your own experiences and the depend, opinions of man? There's a huge difference. And I have found in my own life that if I'm not centered on God's worth or, or God's truth, then I tend to make it my own. That's important. Let me say that again. If I have found in my own life that I've not centered on God's truth, then I tend to make it my own. And if I'm making up my own truth and you're making up your own truth, then which one's really true? Uh, we could both believe in a lie and be lost at sea forever. Uh, and we could both save ourselves a lot of grief if we just spend more time sitting in God's presence and reading the Bible. The Bible's powerful. This is just a list I came up with, and it's the short list. But God's truth brings freedom, reality, peace, forgiveness from our sin, grace, encouragement, comfort in times of grief or suffering, and the elimination of fear, hope, wisdom, discernment, healing of the body and the soul, adoption into a family, the family of God. Access to real power through the Holy Spirit who resides in us and the promise of eternity in his presence. And that being the short list. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, th thank you. The Bible is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint, joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God or breathed by God and is useful to teach us what is true 
and to make us realize what's wrong with our lives. And it corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And reading the Bible is not always comfortable. It exposes us as we've just read and it corrects us and it'll convict me of my sin and call me to confession and repentance. But then it sets me free and it brings me to a place of peace and gratitude. Listen to what David says in Psalm 32. I love David's passion. It says, oh, what joy, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, for what joy for those whose record the Lord is cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I, will I, said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Isn't that beautiful? Ask yourselves these few simple questions with me before we move on. Am I at peace? Are you at peace tonight? What am I trusting? Am I free? Does confusion from all the opinions around me dominate my thoughts? Do I feel unsettled in my thinking? Do I feel condemned or fearful? And if you'd answered yes to any of those questions, it may be that you haven't fully believed the truth. When we begin to take God at his word and obey it, life becomes clear and at peace. How badly do you want to know the truth? You know, I have people in my life, even right now, that my heart just aches for. I long so much for them to know what God says is true about them, for, for them to know how deep his love goes and that they would be set free and at peace, but they just seem so bound up inside. Have you ever had longing for someone like that? Maybe that longing you have is for yourself. <laughs> Right before Jesus' crucifixion, there's this beautiful prayer that John prays. It's in John 17, and it's worth going to read. But here's just a piece of that, and it shows us how Jesus longs for us to know the truth. It says this, Jesus praying. He says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I gave myself as a holy sacrifice so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their teaching. That's us. Jesus so deeply desires for you and I to know the truth that will set us free. And God is not hiding from us. He wants us to know who he is, and he has revealed himself in this book. There, there are certain things we can't know. 
like why I put two socks in the dryer and only one comes out. Or why all able, abled, physically abled men don't change their own oil. Those things you cannot know. And you're supposed to laugh now, but listen, I can't hear any of that laughing, but listen, God isn't on the list of things that we can't know. He can be known and wants us to know him. I was with a friend out in my own boat fishing the mouth of the Columbia River in Astoria about a month ago. And it's about four and a half miles from shore to shore, and you can see the entire horizon all the way around you. Um, and it, we, we were under full power uh, going to the place where we we're going to start fishing. It was about 6.30 in the morning, and then the sun started to come up. And it was intensely beautiful. In fact, it was just breathtaking. And you've all experienced something like that. But at that point, I throttled down the motor and actually shut it off. And this verse came to my mind in Romans, and it says this. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. And through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his internal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I love that. And my friend and I just shared that moment together. And then these thoughts came to my mind before we went on our way, that I have no excuse for not knowing you. And I have no excuse for not bowing down before you. And in the pages of the Bible, he reveals to us who he is. Well, through the years, God keeps bringing me back to four things as I read the scriptures. And I wanted to share those with you tonight. And it seems like in the past couple months, he's been reminding me those things once again. And so write these down. Uh, they'll be up on the screen. But number one is this. Make a commitment to reading God's word. The Bible tells us what is true. And I'm not going to try to convince you of that tonight. The Holy Spirit will do that for you as you read the scriptures with a humble and a tender heart. But I am trying to encourage you to have a personal encounter with the author. And in order to know him, you need to spend time with him. I, I love the story of Martha and Mary in Luke 10. And Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem, and this woman named Martha invites them into their home to have dinner. And she has a sister named Mary, and Mary decides just to sit at Jesus' feet. And Martha's a little perturbed. I believe she had the gift of hospitality, but needed to hone it a bit. And she approaches Jesus, and she says this, uh, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But Jesus said to her, and I love this, he says, my dear Martha, notice the tenderness in his voice. My dear Martha, you're so upset over all the details, but there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Isn't that beautiful? 
with all that we have going on, all the responsibilities, all the stuff we have to do, how badly do you want to sit at his feet? How much desire do you have in your heart to read the scriptures? When Kathy and I got married, um, I remember standing up on the stage and Pastor Ron Mel looked at me at one point during his little presentation to us and he said this. He looked straight in my eyes and he said, your marriage will go only as well as the amount of time you spend in God's presence and reading in the scriptures. And I'm here to tell you that that's been a true barometer for our marriage. And it's not only true for marriages, but it's true in our daily life, whether you're single, married, or whatever. And back to the verse we started with today, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if I'm going to hold to the truth and obey those teachings and be in his word every day, then I know, need to know what they are. If you're going to pass a final exam, you need to know the material. And if you want, if you want to get back to shore, you need to know what the compass says. Carve out time to be in the scriptures. James 4.8 says, if we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. And the truth is, that we have a full-time tutor, 24-7. You have a helper to guide you through your reading in the person of the Holy Spirit. The scripture says this, and Jesus says it, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Studying the scriptures without allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and teach us puts us in control. But when we listen to the Spirit as we read, we experience the full power, the full direction of the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit always points us in the right direction, just like the compass. He points us to Jesus, and it is Jesus that gives the Bible authority. If we don't have an encounter with Jesus, then it's just information. Commit to reading the Scriptures. Secondly, number two, trust and obey. What would happen if I just read the scriptures and did what it said? Okay, God, I'm just going to trust you and actually do it this time. I'm going to take you at your word and just obey. It's, a bit, it's as if he's standing by my side at the helm back to the boat and he shuts down the electronic navigation and he covers up the compass and he turns off the radio and then he looks at me with a tender face and says, are you willing to trust me? And if I answer yes, it will require that I surrender with complete trust. And then he says, just a little left. Yeah, a little bit more right. Keep it on that course. Now veer a little bit harder to the right. And eventually the fog lifts and things start to come into focus. <laughs> and I begin to see clearly the beach in the distance. Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to take him at his word? And what in essence am I actually doing when I decide to trust and obey? I'm subjecting myself, you're subjecting yourself to authority. You've chosen to surrender at that point. And I believe one of the biggest problems in the church today 
and the world around us is that we have a serious problem with authority. Everyone wants to be the final authority. And the truth is this, that when I surrender to the authority of a loving God, I'm surrendering to Jesus, who is God and who is the Word. Jesus, a couple verses here. Uh, this is in, in, in John 1, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John 1, 1. And Jesus said, You search the Scripture because you think they give you eternal life, but the Scriptures point to me. And in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. When we surrender to God, our deepest longings for meaning and purpose and truth are met in the, purpose, in the person of Jesus. Jesus submitted himself to authority. Uh, listen to uh, the prayer in the Olive Garden called Gethsemane. Uh, and Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says this, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he says to the three disciples that are with him, And stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed this, My Father... If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus expressed his complete obedience to God's authority. He's praying to do the will of the Father and not his own. And will represents authority. Jesus did not pray, I want to be crucified, but he merely insists on obeying. Friends, our, our, our entire relationship with God is regulated by whether or not we decide to submit to his authority. Jesus gives the Bible authority. He is trustworthy, worthy of following, and worthy of obeying. In Romans, it says, for merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God, but it's obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. In James 1, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing in your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Trust and obey. Number three, approach the word in humility and tenderness. Psalm 25, 9 says this, He leads the humble in what is right, teaching them his way. He leads the who in his right? The humble. In James 1, it says, Humbly accept the word planted in you, for it's strong enough to save your souls. You know, humility is the condition of a tender heart. And when we approach God's word in humility with a tender heart, seeds of truth are planted. 
and humility is like the t or humility and tenderness are like good rich soil makes sense and when those seeds begin to grow they grow into fruit and we become changed and we start to grow more and more like Jesus so always approach the word in humility and tenderness lastly number 4 make the word of god your treasure a couple weeks ago we were camping with my son and his family and i had brought my bible and at one point i was looking for it and i could not find my bible and i was frantically looking all over the campsite and they were wondering what's wrong did i lose my wallet you would have thought so then i had a million dollars in it or something but I lost my Bible, couldn't find it. And then finally, I found it tucked in between the council and the suburban. And I had this big sigh of relief. And God showed me a couple things during that moment. One was, if I ever had lost access to my Bible and never had another one again, do I have his word hidden in my heart? <laughs> and the other thing that he whispered to me is that, you're actually learning to treasure my word. <laughs> and Jesus tells us in the book of Matthew not to store up treasures here on earth where moths eat my shirts that I haven't worn in 10 years or rust starts eating away at the stuff I have in my garage or it actually gets stolen like my Suburban did a month or so ago out of my driveway but to store up treasures in heaven where they go untouched. For where your treasure is, there your heart and your thoughts will also be. Every time we carve out time to be in the scriptures and in God's presence, we are storing up treasures in heaven. Where is your treasure? Do you treasure this book? And the Bible is food for the soul. It's nourishment for right living. And you might remember the story when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. And, and Jesus hadn't eaten it 40 days and he was hungry. And Satan said to him, if you are the son of God, then tell this stone to become bread. And what was Jesus' response? He said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. And he was quoting from the scriptures in Deuteronomy 8, where it says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Have I, have you, made the word of God such a treasure that when you're tempted or when I'm tempted, that the first thing that comes to my mind is scripture. I want to close with this. I, I want us to listen to the heart of David and, and listen as we read through this. It's in Psalm 19. I want you to listen for the passion that David had for the scriptures. I'm going to start in verse, it's Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight to life. 
Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever, and the laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold, and sweeter than honey, even the honey dripping from the comb. And they are a warning to those who hear them. There is great reward for those who obey them. You know, God's heart for, this, for us this evening is simply this, that we'd all receive a new passion, a new hunger, a new fresh desire to read in the scriptures. And no matter where you are in reading the scriptures, if you haven't at all, or it's off and on, or if you just can't put it down, my prayer for each of us tonight is we would just continue to grow into the most, uh, that the Bible would grow into our most treasured possession. You know, I sit on my porch pretty much every morning and read in the scriptures and, and spend some time in prayer. And, and always a piece of that prayer is just to pray for you, that very thing, that you would begin to understand uh, the scriptures more and more, that you'd have a deep, deep desire um, for reading in the Word of God, that your passion would grow, and that you would really begin to experience the joy of submitting to the authority of the scriptures. And that, that most of all, it would become your tre most treasured possession. Well, we're done. I, I want to pray for us. But before I do, I want to encourage you. There's an activation here at the end. And I would encourage you, whether you're sitting together with some friends or you're by yourself, take a look at that. And there's a challenge in, in there for you this week that I would very much encourage you to to take. Uh, so take a look at that. But let me pray as we close. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for revealing yourself to us, not only in the beauty of your creation, but in the word of God. You have breathed life into the scriptures and you've revealed yourself to us through it. And so grow our passion for it grow our desire to be in the scriptures. We pray that it would be our true north, <laughs> that whenever we're going off a different directions or we wanna be swayed or we're fearful or we're being swayed by opinions or all the confusion that's going on around us, that we would always go back to the truth of your scriptures. And we just thank you for it. So bless the church tonight. We thank you, Jesus, for all your blessings to us. And we ask these things in the power and the authority of your name. Amen. See you next week.